Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, and as always, co-hosting here, Anthony Piniello, Chris Martelli. Uh, episode 135 today, and we got to kick it off with one of the biggest comebacks uh, of an underdog in NBA playoff, uh, re- in recent memory in the NBA playoffs. We got Atlanta doing what they did. It looked like they were done, looked like Philly were going to cruise and then seal it, but Atlanta come back. And now they're up 3-2 over the 76ers. Man, Trey Young was awesome in this game. All the threes he was getting, all the clutch shots. Start off with you, Chris. What did you think about what you saw? And if you're a Philly fan, what do you do now? Uh, I was going to say for, for the longest time, uh, I said it right before we we, we went live, but... Atlanta for the longest time has been looked at as an afterthought since the 20, since they came first that year. I think that was 2014. Um, A lot of, you know, they haven't really been an appealing team to go to. And then they draft this guy named Trey Young 2018. It looked, it looked like kind of like a risky pick at the time, an undersized guard, you know, he led all of college and, you know, assists three point percentage. I think that was the first time in a long time. So we knew what he could do offensively. But the thing with Trey Young was you need to build a team around him. And it's looking like it's not too shabby in Atlanta. And I said, I think it was me and Pinello said that they would be a playoff team this year, you know, adding guys like Bogdanovich, uh, a couple other guys too. Um, but John Collins to me has improved tremendously. Uh, I thought at the beginning of the year, you know, he was not as good as a lot of people thought. But, you know, even Clint Capella. This is a guy where he's a monster. Uh, if Joel Embiid is not going, Clint Capella can dominate you defensively, then that spells trouble because we all know how terrible offensively Ben Simmons is. So he's averaging like 13, 8, and 8, which it looks great, but you need more than 13 points a game to win, and especially after blowing a 20-point lead and then a 26-point lead. If I'm a Philly fan, you got to just – I don't know, like there's not a lot of positives here, but if there is a positive, I guess it's this is showing that they're just not good enough and you have to maybe break up Simmons and Embiid finally. It's been two years that we've been hearing the rumors. Embiid, I think, is playing with a terrible knee injury and he's still putting up probably the best points out of all of them. Uh, Tobias Harris, games, game five, four points. Um, other than that, he's been pretty damn solid for them, but in this game... You have to put up more than four points when you're on a max deal. So that's definitely going to look – people are going to look at that as a problem. But I just got to give Atlanta credit, man. They shoot a lot. They're aggressive. They're offensive-minded, whereas Philly, they have a lot of offensive potential, but defensively is where they're a lot stronger. Ben Simmons has shown that he can be a freakish defender and at times a dominant offensive player when everything's going his way and the ball is in his hands. But – if you're going to put up Draymond Green type offensive numbers and at times be inconsistent defensively in clutch games, that is when Philly loses. So my my the game plan for Philly is to just stay calm, stay collected. You've you've been in first all year. Just keep doing what you've been doing. Give Joel Embiid the ball. Maybe even give Seth Curry a little more touches. I know he's a great three point shooter. Um, we know guys like Bogdanovich, guys like Trey Young. Those guys they're lights out from three. So. If you want to garner a little more momentum and the offense is dry, maybe run it uh, at a different guy. Maybe a maxi. I know they're not playing them as much, but maybe just try something different if guys like Embiid and Simmons aren't going offensively. So 
I got to give all the roses, though, to Atlanta. They're proving a lot of people wrong, especially Trey Young. Um, if I'm a Philly fan, yeah, I'm pretty pissed off right now. But there's really not much they can change. There's not much they can do. There's just two games left in this series. So throw the ball to Embiid. They got to get more out of Simmons, like you said. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Tobias Harris because he's been consistent all year. And then, like, a couple of playoff games, he's just invisible when they need him the most. But uh, Alino's boy, Seth Curry over there, putting up 36 points in a game five. Man, Dallas really could have used that this year. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really – I don't know if I'm more surprised with them blowing those leads or everything that Trey did throughout the game. It was a fucking wild game. Uh, I still think Philly's going to win the series. <laughs> uh, against my better judgment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a toss-up now. But, like, yeah, Chris, you covered it pretty well. I think Gallinari, too, like – he was pretty ass throughout most of the year. And he's <laughs> been, uh, yeah, come on. Like I had him in fantasy most of the year, like, not a whole lot. But he was dealing with injury issues, and then he's back in the lineup. He's, he's been putting up some good numbers and a motivated Lou Williams coming over. So Atlanta's rolling. They just need one more. So, uh, yeah, that was a fun game to watch. Alino, what about – you know what's hilarious too? Didn't Atlanta have Rondo – <laughs> like, imagine if they just kept Rondo in this situation. Oh, man. <laughs> man, just imagine Vince Carter, what he's thinking. He <laughs> fucking made all these guys players. He worked with them, made them all pros and developed good habits. And as soon as he retires, they go on this run. I'd be pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he knew the potential that Trey had. It's just you don't really know when they're going to break out. I'm not even going to say this is Trey's breakout. I mean, it is, but I mean, if any, if I, I still think his potential is, you know, going to the finals and even maybe winning a ring, he reminds me of a, he's a poor man's Curry. If you think about it, but right now at the age that he's doing it at, I don't think Curry was doing it this consistently at the age he's at. So Trey's offensive ability is really scary. We see the playmaking time and time again, uh, even his rebounding, I, I've noticed he's a little more aggressive in the paint than he was the last couple of years. He's using these last couple of years uh, to his advantage. You know, his IQ, it's gotten better every year. I think it was game five. He had 18 assists. So the playmaking's there. The scoring is there. Uh, like you said, Lou Will is a lot more motivated. A guy like Clint Capella, who's been sniffing the conference finals for years. You know, he's got that experience. He just wants to get over the hump. So he's definitely motivated. Taking, a, taking on a guy like Embiid every single night, that's going to drive guys like Collins, Capella, even a guy like you said, Pinello and Gallinari. So I, if Gallinari could drop you like 25 points in game six, the series might be done. Cool. Even Seth well, Curry. Um, he's another one. They, uh, oh, man. Assuming they lose, though, Philly, like, is it, would it be time to blow it up? I think we started with that kind of. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's when I'm a Sixers fan, and it's kind of like you look at it in, like, the most negative way as, okay, we lost again. We're never going to get there. You know, we're Leaf fans. We, we feel that pain. Or you look at it as, okay, brighter days are ahead. You blow it up, and maybe we have a brighter future here. Um, it couldn't – It can't. I'm, all I'm going to say is it can't get any worse – than the 2015 Sixers when they barely won 10 games. So they've seen the worst of it, the Sixers. This is where I kind of feel for them. Like they've been really 
when they were bad, they were like historically one of the worst teams, them and the Charlotte Bobcats in like 2008 or whatever year that was. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm Philly, man, it might be time to finally, even though you got Doc Rivers, it might be time to blow it up. Yeah, it also depends too who they're gonna like. You can't trade him B just because of the season he had. He was like an MVP uh, in the mixer to be an MVP, and then Simmons. Like, yeah, you can trade him, but maybe they move him to power forward. I think Tobias Harris would be the odd man out. Like, what do you do with that salary? You need another point guard. Like Seth Curry's good, but I'd rather have him be a shooter. He's been a huge surprise. He's not making that much. Uh, Raptors, that's another guy coming in from the Raptors 905 system. So I think like you probably just need a point guard that is good at facilitating the ball. Uh, I don't think you can afford a Westbrook. That's impossible. But if you get a playmaker who's ball dominant, that's the only thing that I think can help this team. But other than that, pretty much screwed if you have to trade and bead. Like the backlash the GM would get, it's crazy. <coughs> I feel like I would still stick with those two, though. I think, like you said, Tobias Harris would be the odd man out. Because even though he's the third best player there, like he's making, is he not making the most money or close to it? So even if you move him out of the situation, you could still do a lot with that lineup. So it would be so fucking disappointing if they lost in the second round. But as young as those two are, I think I would move on from Tobias Harris and keep playing with the lineup. But that's like really far-fetching though. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it from the perspective of management too. Uh, You've had Simmons and Embiid already for like, it's now it already seems like it's been like almost a decade. It's been what, like six years now. So they've been doing their thing for relatively a while. Like guys, I'm serious. This is almost as identical as Marner Matthews. It's Marner Matthews, Embiid, Simmons. You just go to the playoffs on like regular season, unreal top three seed every year. And then bam, you go in the playoffs and it's like, what the hell is going on? What happens here? But I don't, I do agree with you guys with Harris. They somehow got rid of Horford's contract. They had to give up, I think a couple firsts for that. So my biggest question is what the hell? I know Ben Simmons trade value will always be high because of his, you know, his elite defensive game, but if you're a manager out there, like I know there's a market for Ben Simmons for sure, but in terms of a guy like Harris, I don't really know which team would go out there and pay that salary. I really don't know. So in that case, it might have to be a buyout option if they get rid of Harris, as crazy as that sounds, man, because this contract is just – it's not attractive at all. Are there any teams out there that you think could swing a deal? Like the only team I think of are teams that are so far out of it, like Detroit, like Houston, like those teams that are just going to give a shot at a at, at a three, at a guy that has a, a big contract. Maybe, I want to say maybe OKC, maybe, because they're in a completely different they're, – they're revamping their whole organization. So, But other than that, Pinello, I, I don't – like would the Spurs take a shot at him if DeRozan walks? Like I, I really don't know. Cleveland? <laughs> oh, probably not. They just drafted uh, Okoro, like th- fourth overall, so probably not. If the Spurs are still delusional and they think they can squeeze into the playoffs, I think they could take on a guy like Harris. I don't know. That uh, It's a tough deal. Yeah, it's, it's tough to move. Or Memphis for JV. 
And then you got JV uh, and Bede, and Bede can be the power forward. Simmons on the uh, soft. I don't know if he'd be a perimeter guy, but like you put him the small forward or point guard, and Seth Curry shooting. Have everyone else just run to the basket. Bunch of monsters. <laughs> My biggest problem with Philly is they need to they need to realize who the most valuable. Well, it is Embiid. The most valuable players is Embiid on the team, but they have to start looking at what they can do to improve the overall morale, the chemistry, the team. Because I love Danny Green. I love all these guys. But I just feel like in the big scheme of things, there's something wrong in the dressing room there. I feel like maybe Ben Simmons is too vocal. Maybe he's – I don't know. Because, man, like I we've been saying this for years now with Philly. This is not the first year. This is not even the second year. This has been happening since, I want to say, 2017. So it's either make up or shut up. And right now it's looking like – you have to blow it up because if I'm a Philly fan, like you said, probably don't have a lot of faith. Well, yeah, that's a interesting one. But speaking of having no faith, uh, it didn't seem like LA fans really had that much faith in Paul George based on past playoff experiences. And what does he do? There it is. <laughs> Flex on all of them. Carried them to a win. Now they're up 3-2 against Utah. Uh, game decision now. It's uh, put up or shut up like you mentioned, but it's for Utah. They're in tough. They were looked at as a favorite when Kawhi went out, and now Paul George has them close to a conference final against Phoenix. Do you think the Clippers close it out, Pinello, or do you see Utah squeaking in there, getting a win, and going game seven? want to see the Clippers close it out six games Paul George will be a very big reason why that's my prediction for that game but uh man he's been pretty consistent throughout the playoffs and he put up a big one 30 he almost put up 40 points and he had I don't know how he had 16 rebounds but yeah he led the way in the game where Kawhi went out so that's fucking huge that's the biggest game of Paul George's career so far as far as I'm concerned so for the Jazz, yeah, man, Mitchell's got to do what he's been doing. He's got to come up big, and then the rest of the supporting cast has got to chip in like they've been doing as well. So it's going to be a banger, but I think Paul George is going to do it again. He's going to help him close it out in six games. I just want to say, <laughs> if you're going to win a defensive player of the year and you have a guy like Paul George get 16 rebounds, that's a problem right there. So uh, Rudy Gobert's got to be a little bit better in the – he got out-rebounded by Paul George in game uh, game five. That cannot happen. Uh, he still put up 17-10, but like you guys said, it's all about Donovan Mitchell. If this guy does not come, it, they're not winning. Uh, I love guys like Ingles. He's put up unreal performances. Jordan Clarkson has been consistent all year. It sucks that a guy like Mike Conley is not in because we all know that he's a great veteran. He wants to get that opportunity to get to the promised land. But Paul George, man, he's proven it. He's proven all the people wrong. Three no, was it two, two years ago? He was third in MVP voting, one of the better players in the league. Twenty eight seven and four on OKC, and now look at what he's doing. Last playoffs, I know it was hard. Um, pandemic P, whatever you want to call him, he had all the nicknames. This year, he's averaging about twenty six eight and five. So you cannot call him a, a playoff bust. You can't say that this year. He's got the braids, looking like Kawhi's twin here. He's just balling out. I love it for Paul George. 
I love it for the Clippers too. These two franchises have not really been so lucky over the years with LeBron in the league. So now they're finally getting their moments here. They got to go up against Phoenix in the conference finals. I'm going to say Utah forces seven, but I think the Clippers are going to hold on and, and go to the conference. I think uh, Clippers close it out. I think Paul George needs that. I think this is going to be the huge test for him. But if you go forward now, it's Phoenix without Chris Paul and let's say Clippers without Kawhi. Who do you think has a better uh, opportunity there? Paul George in that system with the Clippers or Devin Booker uh, with the Phoenix system? Chris, start that one. I'm giving the edge as crazy as it sounds. It's to Phoenix. I think what they've been able to do um, in this playoffs, it just shows that the team chemistry, it's there. Their, their potential is finally coming together. And like I said at the beginning of the year with teams like Chicago and all those other teams where they have those guys that have a lot of potential, they're not there. They're not even close to it. Um, but it's looking like it's finally come around with Phoenix. I remember last year when they were 8-0 in the bubble, I was just kind of like, yeah, they got Aiden, the first overall pick. They got Booker, who he's a top five scorer in the league. Uh, and then, of course, you, you you add a Chris Paul. So it's is it really too far-fetched to see them go really far? I mean, majority of the people said yes, because, of course, you have LeBron and Kawhi and, and you know, guys like Curry coming back and Lillard. And all. the West is just a nightmare. So when you look at that in terms of that perspective, of course, you're not going to believe that Phoenix is going to, go through but after what i saw man when they swept denver like this is a different monster this is not the same phoenix from last year this is not even the same devin booker from last year this is a different devin booker this is a guy that's motivated he's evolved his game you could see the footwork it's just it's beautiful to watch i got devin booker uh i think he's a little bit better than paul george right now i'll give the edge as well to like the the guys like mickel bridges uh, Cam Johnson's been really good. Sarich, another guy. Uh, but I, I just I love I love Phoenix's team. I'm kind of biased towards them, and I think they're going to go to the I think they're going to the NBA Finals. Uh, yeah, assuming those two guys don't return, I like Phoenix's uh, chances as well. I think that would be a seven game series. That would be fun. Like it's it's really Booker versus Paul George at that point, and then Aiton to me would be the X factor. I don't know if the Clippers really have an answer for a player like that. And yeah, their wing players have just been amazing. But in a conference final with Rajon Rondo, I think that would be a pretty solid time for him to step up. So, man, I love that question. That would be a phenomenal series. But I think I'd give that to Phoenix in seven. It's gonna be a tough one. Well, speaking of seven. Milwaukee is uh, is back in it. It looked a little shaky, but Giannis answered the critics, and uh, we got a game seven. James Harden, Kevin Durant, uh, they've been here before, back in OKC, and now they're in the same situation. They know what it's like, and Giannis has all the pressure on him with that big deal, uh, living not living up to expectations, even going back to when they played the Raptors and got bounced. Who do you think needs to win this series more? Would you go Giannis or do you think Kevin Durant? Start at Pignello. Uh For me, I think Giannis, just because the Bucks have gone pretty much second round or conference finals every year. Giannis has been the focal point, him and Middleton. 
and they're always the favorites every year in the East. Like I know what Brooklyn's made of this year, but to go this far with them, like I know I have Brooklyn winning, but just from Milwaukee's perspective, I think Giannis needs it much more because if they don't win with this group of guys they have now, they're going to be in a similar situation that Philly is in the coming years. So I got Brooklyn in seven, but Giannis might need it more in Milwaukee. Uh, I got Bucks in seven, and I think K- I think it's going to affect KD more here uh, than Giannis, or not KD, but Brooklyn. Uh, just looking at what they've done, you, you you ship out all the assets in the world. Like they've done a complete one eighty. You get rid of Allen, you get rid of Levert. I thought for the longest time they would get rid of Dinwiddie. They never did. But you know, you get Harden, Kyrie. Unfortunately, going down with that terrible. Oh my God! If you guys did not see that. That injury looked pretty scary, so uh, I'm I'm praying for a guy. I'm praying for Kyrie Irving to get better. But you know, Harden being back and what I saw from him last night, it's not the same James Harden. He put up like 16 points. He's still looking a little slow, um, but if he can, you know, if he can improve the slightest for Game Seven, I'd probably give the edge to Brooklyn. But what we saw from KD in Game Four, I would know Game Five. Like, come on, man. You can't like that does not happen. 49 10 or no, what was it? 49 19 10. Some stat like that. That's just you don't see that happen. That's one of the greatest performances we've ever seen. If Kevin Durant could put up about 35 points, I got Brooklyn winning it. But man, I think this is finally the time where Giannis shuts all the critics up. The the analysts are gonna have a field day if Brooklyn loses. And I think that's just best for business. So I'm I got Bucks in seven. I got Giannis going to the finals. Can you like? I just I need to say this: Bucks and Suns. It just sounds so funny. But I need Kawhi to come back. It just sounds so funny. (laughs) But this, you you could you guys know this this league is getting younger. The guys are getting better at a younger age. Devin Booker, well deserving. And come on, guys, like. We need to see Chris Paul get a ring. Let's go. I'm rooting for Chris Paul, and I'm rooting for Gian- – like, as I know I'm a rap fan, but, like, Giannis, he's deserving of it. Back-to-back MVP, 26 years old. I think the time is now for Giannis. Like you said, Pinello, if, if he doesn't necessarily win this year, it's, it's, it's make-up or shut-up at that point. It's already, what, his seventh, eighth year in the league, so – it's getting to that point for him too. But regardless, man, the, these final four, it's been super exciting and super unpredictable this year. So I've just loved the NBA playoffs all in all, besides the injuries, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was uh, it's going to be solid, like these final four matchups. The series are a lot closer than I think anybody would have expected. But uh, some just off-the-court news, uh, one big trade that happened, Kemba Walker from Boston – He's going on to OKC. So, uh, well, first start off with Chris. Like, if you're Kemba Walker, you go from Charlotte, you put up all that uh, hard work all those years, you get rewarded, you sign and trade to the Celtics, and the first thing they do when stuff doesn't go their way is trade you to another rebuilding team. So how pissed are you if you're Kemba Walker, and what does OKC do from here? Uh, I think... I don't know if it's him being upset. I just feel like this it's it's the best thing that probably could have happened for both sides. I mean, 
I don't know what it is with Boston. I don't know if it's if there's some sort of game plan that doesn't work towards the point guard. I mean, it did when Thomas was there, but like since Kyrie Irving has gone to to Boston, I just feel like they can't have a grasp on that point guard position. And I don't know what it is. Kemba Walker, he was injured. I'm pretty sure Pinello, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he was he was battling an injury for most of this year. But he at times looked terrible. Like he did not look like the same player from two years ago. This is not the same Kemba from Charlotte. I don't think so. Um, but if I'm Kemba Walker, it's pretty exciting at the same time, too. I know he wants to win right now, but you're looking at probably the most exciting team in like two, three, four years. Like they have all the assets in the world for the future. SGA, I think, is close to being an all star right now. Um, in terms of the trade, though, I don't know if OKC was smart in getting rid of Moses Brown and Al Horford because like their their front court now is almost invisible. So I don't know if they have plans to maybe sign Drummond in the offseason. I don't know if that's a priority because what we saw from Drummond in the playoffs was, oh, my God, Marcus Saul like almost. So I don't know what Drummond's value is. Like Pinello said numerous times, he's proven me right or proven me wrong, sorry, um, that he's not a max player. And we've seen it in the postseason. He's definitely not a max player. He had all, all the opportunities in Detroit and Cleveland. So maybe there's a trend there. Maybe Andre Drummond goes to another mediocre team, puts up monster stats, and we see what we can do next year. But I'll ask this question now to you guys in a reverse-type manner. Uh, you got What if you get Drummond, you have Walker, you have SGA? What the hell is going to – what's going to happen there with OKC next year? Are they going to be like a Washington? Are they going to be like an Indiana – or are they just going to be bad? <laughs> yeah, that's a. <laughs> uh, I don't know what they're gonna, what they're even looking at. Like management, they have all these assets that they can bring in, but do you go and package them, uh, knowing that SGA is this amazing player, uh, could be a superstar, borderline all star right now. Like you go and package that now and knowing that, okay, take advantage of a moment here. You use the, maybe the Clippers pick in two years from now, when you know that that's probably when they're going to start declining and go and get another superstar to go with Kemba Walker and SGA. I think they should. I don't want to go after Drummond. I think go after a trade uh, for another big name player and then use free agency and all the cap room uh, to go after those depth pieces. So, I think OKC, this is a right time to take a chance like that. Kemba Walker is not staying with this team through, through the fucking duration of next year. There's no way. I think they're trading him at the deadline, and they're getting more picks. I just think there's something up their sleeve there. Because when you sent me this trade this morning, I did not believe you. I'm like, you're trolling. This doesn't make any sense. But they got the first-round pick. I don't know how they got the first and Kemba. That's pretty fucking sweet. It sounds nice on paper. Him and SGA would be a sweet backcourt, but I think they're going to package that maybe the first, and I think they're going to continue rebuilding. I don't think Kemba's going to stick there long at all. I just feel like it it depends on how they come out the gate because we said that about Chris Paul too. Like when he went there and it's like, yeah, this guy's not even playing a game there, and he played the whole year. So it really basketball really is unpredictable at times. I don't know. 
Uh, Kemba, I mean, him and Charlotte, he was the one-man show. He was breaking records, getting 59 or whatever it was on Martin Luther King Day and doing all that great stuff. But I guess I'll ask this. I'll start with you, Alino. What, what do you envision from Kemba next year? Do you see him being a 23-point-per-game player? Do you see him maybe dropping all the way back down to 18? What do you see from Kemba Walker if he stays in OKC? No, I think there's no reason why he can't be that 22-point guy. I think he could he'd be in OKC system. Uh, he'll probably get a few more assists off uh, Gildress Alexander, but I think he would be the predominant ball handler and guy who's going to take all the shots. Uh, similar to what Chris Paul was when he was there that one year, got his value back up. I think he's going to be that, but he's going to take more of the shots. So maybe Gildress Alexander's point production might go down a little bit. Uh, but his overall game will improve. I see Kemba Walker taking advantage, and like Piniello mentioned, if they don't get a superstar, I see that too. Going and getting a trade for another first-round pick at the draft, or the trade deadline, and then the draft. If he stays there all year, yeah, man. Like it's Kemba Walker. He'll probably be up there in points and assists. Him and SGA will lead the way. Mm-hmm. They'll be really fun to watch if if he ends up staying there all year, but. Man, in that Western Conference, even with those two, it's going to be tough. So, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't think that's really a, a question. Like, if Kemba Walker's healthy, he's one of the better point guards in the league. So, hopefully, he can stay healthy and have a year for himself. Damn, for sure. Uh, well, speaking of unpredictable, we got the kings of unpredictable. Stanley Cup playoffs, some of these matchups. I'll start off with this one. This series has been truculent. Got Tampa and the Islanders. Uh, It's been back and forth, but Tampa now has a 2-1 lead. Do the Islanders, you think, have a chance to come back in this, or do you think Tampa's just going to take over from here and finish it in five? Take it, buddy. Uh, no, I think this is going seven. I think what I've seen from New York, it's just nothing really surprises me anymore. And it's getting to that point with hockey, and I never thought I'd say that. Teams like New York, teams like Montreal, you know, continuously just grinding it out. And both of these teams, if you look at it on paper, they're almost laughable, man. Like, they have Barzell, Bailey, Eberly, Pajot. Like, these guys are not supposed to be carrying you to the conference finals. And they're doing it, and they're proving everybody wrong. Like, the fact that guys like Komarov, Martin, all these guys are in the conference finals, it's showing that the Leafs' DNA and the skilled DNA just does not work in this league, and it never will because hockey needs truculence. So in terms of Tampa Bay and the Islander series, I think that's – man, I know it's 2-1 – but I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders won. Like, it's been so close. If it wasn't for Braden Point, they probably would have lost and they probably would have been down 2-1. Varlamov's been incredible. Even Sorokin backing him up. It's it's looking pretty good right now in New York. And Pulak's been great. Letty's been great. Like I was saying to Pinello, Pajot leads their team in points. So when that happens, that's just a huge treat for the franchise in itself. Barzell has completely made this team a lot more successful than John Tavares ever could. But again, John Tavares did not have the teammates that Barzell does. But 
I, I still got Tampa Bay probably arguably winning the cup here, but like this matchup, it doesn't get any tougher for Tampa Bay. I'm probably sticking with my Tampa and six prediction, but uh, yeah, this Islanders team is feisty. They don't really need, like you were saying, like we got all the skill in the world. doesn't fucking matter. They play so smart. They play the right way. They just have a good man. They're going to the, they're going deep in the playoffs every year. Guys like Barzell and Beauvillier, like this is good exposure for them. So even if they got smacked by Tampa in five, like this, this is a win for the Islanders, like going forward. So, but I just I look at Tampa Bay's situation, the way they've been set up for the last few years. Like Kucherov literally just walked right back onto the team, and he's smoking everyone in playoff scoring, like he actually played the year, which he didn't. Guys like Braden Point might win the fucking MVP. Stamkos' role, Hedman, like this team is just amazing. They're still built for the future, which is scary. So this has been a, a hard-fought series so far, but I'm going to stick with my Tampa in six. Still holding out hope there on the Islanders one. Game seven, Jordan Eberle, golden goal. We'll have to wait and see on that. But it's really back. I think home uh, ice is a big... Uh, determining factor in this. Like, you look at Tampa, clearly there's no COVID over there. Uh, that was just a fad. You look at guys, no mass, just everyone bunched up together there, full stadium. Vegas, same thing. Nothing didn't exist. And then you go to these other markets like uh, Montreal, uh, where it's going to only have 3,500 fans there when they play Las Vegas. That might change a little bit, like just the momentum of each series, but. I'll go Islanders there, still holding out hope that they'll come back. But uh, the next series is, uh, like I mentioned there, Vegas and Montreal. I couldn't get a pick of Montreal here because they were all blurry, but go Vegas here. <laughs> what do you think on the way they played? And do you think that losing a game to Montreal is a bad look? Take it, buddy. Uh, no. Uh, Montreal has been just as surprising as the Islanders to me. Um, they've, they, you know what? I'm like, I'm looking back at it now. They absolutely deserve to beat the Leafs. They outplayed them. They have way more heart than we ever freaking could. So, uh, you know, kudos to guys like Perry Weber getting Eric Stahl. I knew would freaking bite us in the ass. And then of course, Carey Price, man, this guy's probably one of the most well-deserving guys to win a Stanley cup. So I'm not hopping on any bandwagon. I'm a freaking Leaf fan, but like if Carey Price were to go to the finals, like good for him, man. Like he, I love Carey Price. But in terms of Vegas, you know, losing a game, I, I don't think it's a surprise. I think Carey Price can steal you any game. So um, it doesn't get any better in terms of goalie matchup. You have Flurry and Price. It's just absolutely amazing. It's must watch. But I've mentioned Alex Tuck time and time again, man. This guy is a playoff performer. He puts them over the top. And William Carlson, again, leading them in points in the playoffs. He's proven to be probably their best center on the team. And when he gels with almost – the thing, the beautiful thing with William Carlson is he gels with almost every winger that they've put on. They even had Chandler Stevenson at one point on the top line with him and Stone. So whatever William Carlson's doing, it's working. It seems like he gets along with everybody in the dressing room, on the ice, um, the chemistry is there. I got Vegas winning this in six games. I got Carey Price giving them another win. Tofolia as well has just been 
He's been a problem. Jo- uh, Josh Anderson has actually taken quite a step back, but that's, you know, that's probably expected. But I love Cole Caulfield, man. Damn it. They have a star in him. I think he's going to be absolutely incredible. I think he already has six points this postseason. Um, I got Vegas and Tampa in the finals, obviously. I think a lot of people do because you just can't see the Islanders in Montreal. I just can't. But if one of those teams were to go to the finals, I think that alone is probably the story of the year for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, when you look at these two teams, I just, it's kind of similar to the other series. I just feel like Vegas has more. Even though everything Montreal did, you can't really count them out. You got to give them credit for what they did. Of course, they deserve to beat the Leafs. They fucking smashed the Jets. And, uh, yeah, if you have Carey Price, you're getting at least a win. So let's go back to the original question. I don't think it looks bad on Vegas. But, uh, yeah, I'm sticking Vegas in six. Yeah, same. I got Vegas winning it. I just think they're a more complete team. And I the only thing, I want to see Max Pacioretty show up a little more. This is his old team. They traded him. They decided to go their separate ways. Kind of feel bad for Weber. Like, just imagine if he got a chance to play with a guy like Petrangelo or Shea Theodore. But uh, I just think, yeah, Montreal in that aspect is a little bit overmatched. Uh, I don't think they can match that complete team. But yeah, Vegas six games. I think that's an accomplishment. Montreal can push it to seven, but that's going to be a hard thing to do. Just all the depth they have. And I'm going to go Vegas Islanders in the final. That would be like a nice that. story. <laughs> I mean, I, another question, too, I want to kind of ask you guys is where does Montreal kind of go from here? Because, like, this year I wasn't – I didn't think they were a playoff team, and now all of a sudden they have all this exposure in the postseason. The fan base is definitely going to want prob- – their expectations are probably going to be high for next year. I don't know if they're going to be, a, a you know, a huge playoff success story next year. But if you're Montreal and you're Bergevin – do you re- do you really see a big free agent guy go in there like a Taylor Hall, or do you think they kind of go with maybe more of another role player to to add to the depth of this team? I mean, they could add another big name guy. I don't know who's going to walk there, but if you're an outsider looking into this situation, it, it's a it's a good team. It is appealing. You still have. Like you have a couple of Hall of Famers on this team and Shea Weber and Carey Price and a lot of good pieces around it. So I don't think they're going to be amazing, but like they'll be competitive. And when like uh, guys like Suzuki and Caulfield and Kakanyemi, like just keep continuing to build around those guys. And yeah, I think the Habs are in a good spot, but I don't think anyone sees them as contenders. So I think they're in the middle there somewhere. Yeah, I think you should try to go after Taylor Hall, like just book a meeting. I wouldn't sign him, but just to show that uh, to other free agents that you're looking to be aggressive and add to your team. But yeah, try to get more depth pieces like on defense and maybe a trade here or there, uh, small scale moves. Don't go after a Vetchkin and uh, offer him like 13 million for seven years. Like I don't think he would uh, fit into this team, even though he says like Montreal would be an appealing place. Like, yeah, with Weber, Price, Perry, Stahl, like you got enough veterans there. Go after some young depth players that fit your style of play, and I think they'll be fine. But I don't think they're going to be contenders next year. I was going to say, Alino, why don't they go after your boy, Evgeny Malkin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. 
I love when those questions get asked, like on TSN. It's like, yeah, who's more likely to move, Malkin or Crosby? And it's like, well, none of them, because that's a dumb question. <laughs> like even Ovechkin being a, a UFA, I, I just you can't. I can't even fathom him going to any other team. So I'll just say he re-signs with Washington on like a two-year, eight mil per, and that's it. And he just keeps rolling. But if you're if you're a manager and you're looking at guys like Ovi. Like, okay, you're looking at all the greats. So you're looking at the Crosbys, the Malkins, the Kane, because you even said Kane has been rumored to move. Out of all those guys, if you're a manager, which one are you going after? Because there's so many teams that have different – they have different uh, game plans, you know, different positions that are lacking talent. So if you are a manager out there and all these veterans are slowly going on that trade deadline market, which one are you taking? Ooh, that's risky. Because uh, these managers also have to realize Seattle's out there now, and they got a lot of cap space. They can really screw everybody over. They can go to Alex Ovechkin, get in his ear, because technically he's a UFA right now, and they can say, you know what? We're thinking of doing this. We'll pay you the max to come here for two years, and you can be the first captain in Seattle's history and be a part of this expansion, give him some perks and ownership when he's done. Like Seattle's going to throw a wrench in a lot of teams plans and i think there'll be more than what vegas did because they saw what vegas were able to do and i think uh they're in a position where they can be competitive right at the start so uh they're gonna be a, a problem in their first year you got it right there ovechkin to seattle <laughs> or ovechkin imagine he sees for his ego imagine being the guy to bring a, the leafs a cup and with <laughs> rumors of Hyman leaving and Anderson and everyone out of the lineup, there's some money freed up. Ovi, Matthews, Marner, first line. <laughs> Alino, I don't think I've ever been more surprised when, uh, like, the biggest surprise for me was when we signed JT to 11 million in the in free agency. But like if Ovi were to if Ovi were to come here, I think that tops it. Like I don't know what I would do. I think I would just be hysterical for like weeks. Like I would just be. I'd look in my closet. I'd see my Ovi Washington jersey, and I would just start laughing because like seeing him in a Leaf jersey, it would just continue the trend from decades before when we got Leach, we got Lindros, we got McGillney, we got all these veterans past their prime. So why don't we go get Ovi? Let's just do it. Same same, same old recipe. Let's go do it. We got Thornton. We had Spezza. Like, we had Placanitz. <laughs> Let's just go get guys that we never thought would be least. Let's just go do it. Yeah, but for real, though, like I think Ovi, like Washington, or like Seattle's going to have to throw a big like kind of deal to really convince him. But, yeah, he's, he's staying in Washington. Well, because even with – I even heard for the longest time that Kuzi – has been in trade rumors too. And like, you would assume that it would be Backstrom moving, but he's just been consistently Mr. Consistent, man. That's base. That should be his nickname. He's been putting up 70 or more in like 15 of his 16 or I don't know how long he's been playing. So what, like 14 years, like 12 of his 14 years, he's been almost a point of game. So I guess I'll start with Pinello, unless you want to continue with the, the free agency talk. What, what, what do you think is going to happen with Kuznetsov if he moves? If he moves, where would he go, you're saying? Yeah, like, and what, what, could, he, what could he do? What, what do you think his, his max ceiling is on a new team? 
he's probably a number one center on quite a few teams in this league. I feel like if Washington were to lose him, that's they're kind of in a predicament. Like I know Backstrom's Mr. Consistent and he gets on average 70 most years, but he is, what was that draft? 34 years old, him and Ovi, they are up there. They're not going to go on forever. Even if he is still producing more than Kuzi now, like you, you still may need to look towards the future. And I think I'd probably take Kuznetsov over Backstrom at this point. Because like if you lose him and then you don't have someone else backing him up, you're kind of fucked there. So uh, if I'm Washington, I'm trying to reassign him. But if I'm anyone else, like I would probably bank, uh, break bank for Kuznetsov. He can go number one, number two center. It doesn't matter. He, I think he would fit in most team systems. Oh no, I don't think I don't think he's a free agent. I think he's just like he's been in trade rumors. Like they want to trade him. Oh yeah, oh, fuck yeah, that. Sure. I'm not trading him. <laughs> like, what, what do you if you trade him? Like, is it a package deal? Are you gonna package him with a first and something else to get someone better? Like, because Kuzi's already a solid fucking center. Well, for me, the 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 rumor that I saw was you're trading Kuznetsov for a first in Fiala. That's what I saw. I, that, oh, that's where, that's at Hang least where it's, that's at least where it starts. Not, so I don't know yeah. if that's if you have to add Greenway or you add someone else, maybe Dumba in that. I don't know, but there there have been talks with Minnesota. I don't like that for them. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. That's not a good one. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't know. It's not like Fiala and a first. Like, is this first going to really help you now? Like, that's a. That's not really too good long term. Like if anything, I would go maybe Dallas. They have a lot of young pieces there. Maybe get one or two of them. Uh, Calgary. Like if you want to do a big package, maybe Johnny Goudreau. He's been a guy that's been talked about. You both of them change scenery. Uh, Goudreau, Kuznetsov. You bring a package each side that works best. Or maybe you just send them to another team in the West. Because I don't think an Eastern Conference team's gonna really be an appealing option for Washington because then they would always have to play against them. I mean, like, for me, the biggest question moving forward with this team is, like, how much more does this team believe in this core with Backstrom, Oshie? Because Kuzi is probably the youngest out of all of them in terms of he's elite still. He's putting up those elite, elite numbers. You have a guy like Tom Wilson who's a great, gritty guy. You have a guy like... I mean, they traded Vrana, but now you have Mantha, who's an absolute power forward. So I know they have a couple guys in the system that could potentially make the roster next year, like Connor McMichael's there. He was a great junior player. Um, but, like, you look at their defense, like you have John Carlson. He's at, I think now he's 31. So I don't know, Pinello. It looks like this team, it looks like they're kind of going through – like a grow, like like a gr- they're going through growing pains. Like they're they're a team that they've been there for so long, and it looks like they want to kind of start moving on. But it looks like they're trying to move on with the wrong pieces. They're trying to get rid of Kuznetsov to get as much value back as they can because they're probably afraid of getting rid of Backstrom. So if I'm again, this is another tough team to even look at when you look at trade value because they have Samsonov and they also have Vanacek now, and they have two good goaltenders. So if maybe if you're Minnesota, maybe you add one of those goalies in there, and maybe then that's when the deal goes through.
risky right there. <laughs> Too risky. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's a tough one because Manta, I think, helps a lot of things because you have Manta as a top six forward, power forward who can get point per game, I think, with Ovi. So that helps things. If you want to make uh, Kuznetsov available, it helps move things along easily because you got someone to fall back on. But if you're just going to get a Fiala, <laughs> that's horrible. Like, it really depends on if they feel like they want to rebuild and just get rid of everyone, that's the direction they want to go in. Like, I guess, because Fiala is younger and they get the first, but yeah, the value to me is just like not there. But uh, what do you think about Kuznetsov on Montreal? <laughs> uh, it's, it's something that I could see, but I don't know what the return would be. Like you said, the value of Kuzi is a mystery. I mean, at times yeah. he's he's like an 85-point player, and at times it looks like he's like a 65-point player. So I'll say his value, it's higher than Backstrom's, but not by a lot. And I think he's like five years younger than him. So like if you're Montreal – why not? Uh, Suzuki, he can be the second fiddle for a couple years. But in that point, man, like, do you get rid of Kakinyemi? Do you get rid of – because, you know, Washington, Washington's going to ask for someone back. Really, really important. Like, well, is yeah. it going to be a paling? Is it going to be a um, – who's that <laughs> other guy they got? Uh, not a – not Caulfield. It was the draft before that. I don't know his name. I forgot it. Is it Paling? No, Paling, I think, was 16 or – yeah, no, no, it is – no, it's Paling. Yeah, they, didn't he get four goals in his debut? I'm pretty sure oh, it's that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was against us, so it doesn't count. That doesn't mean – that doesn't count. Um, I, I don't know, Pinello, uh why don't you try and give us a, a little trade preview? Like, I don't know what that would be. Kuznetsov for what? Kokkinyemi? Uh, Armia and like a two first, like I don't know. <laughs> and I'm just trying to go through teams that like could really use at least a number one or one A or one B center. And Montreal's fit the bill for fucking ten years now. If I'm them, I'm not giving up Suzuki or Caulfield, so it would probably be centered around Kakaniemi a first and like something else. Yeah. How about this? How about this, guys? Kuzi for Nugent Hopkins. You doing that? Oh no! Hang up the phone. <laughs> Unless they be with McDavid, that's jokes. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't do it. Like I'm not helping Edmonton. Let them. That's their. That's what they wanted to do with their salary cap. All that room they had, they wanted to give all those contracts and let them uh, stay with all of them, not helping them win a cup. Yeah, Brutal. <laughs> San Jose, maybe? Could that be uh, uh, Eric Carlson? Oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're parting ways, I think, with half their team in like a year. <laughs> yeah, they're going like, plastic they're, they're a burns. team you look at, it's like, God, you guys are just nothing. <laughs> like, I love Couture. I love Couture, man, but like his time is probably up in San Jose. I want to say the only guy that's proved like that actually surprised me was Evander Kane this year for that team. He had an absolutely tremendous year. Um, Hurdle at times looked great too, but even if I'm San Jose, I might even try and trade Hurdle at this point. He's had a lot of injury problems. 
They're not really a playoff team. If you can get a lot of value for a guy on that team, it's probably either Meyer or Hurdle the most. So if I'm San Jose, I'm going to make this prediction. I'll say in like a year and a half, maybe even as soon as next trade deadline, they're going to have a completely different team. It's a shame because like those are good young forwards and Kane's in the prime of his career, like Meyer and Hurdle kind of coming up together, but there's just not much around them and they're in the West and Anaheim and LA are progressively getting much better than San Jose over the last couple of years. Their defense. Oh my God. Their Burns and Carlson are aging so much faster than usual. (laughs) I feel so bad for Carlson. He signed for fucking 50 years there. And just like that, the team's (laughs) rebuilding like the next year. He has that one playoff run and then, okay, we're done. Fuck that. So, Even Vlasic, that, poor guy. He was so good. Oh man. I don't know. That team is uh I, I think they're on the verge of becoming one of the worst teams in the next five years. Like worse than it is now. Yeah, and that that's why I think guys like Hurdle and Meyer are gonna like either want out or get dealt some way or another. Uh Logan Couture again. I kind of view him like Landis Cog in a way when you look at the the role he has on the team. I know Landis Cog, like he's staying. It doesn't matter. He's a UFA, but they're definitely signing him. You have to. Um, I guess I'll, I'll we'll close this pod. I guess we'll talk a little bit about the Colorado Avalanche because, man, like, you know, they got eliminated. They lost four in a row to Vegas, a really good team. McKinnon, you could tell, was absolutely furious with the result because he's been – he actually, I saw the stats. I put it on my story. Pinello put it in our group chat that he's, I think, fourth all time in the first 50 games uh, of of his postseason career in points. I think he has 69 and 50. He's just absolutely ridiculous. I guess I'll start this with Pinello. What does Colorado have to address in the offseason for them to go on a Stanley Cup run and win it? Not much, man. I think they just got to stick the course and continue to add little pieces throughout the way because they got a few big pieces in McKinnon and Rantanen. And yeah, they're going to sign Landis Cog and McCarr for the long run. So they're still a really young team. Like this team, they're all in their early to mid 20s. They're all signed. They're all so young. They're all so talented. Like, we look at the Leafs. We can't even get past the first fucking round. And we look at Colorado and they lost in the second round. And it's like the fucking world stopped because of how good they were. And Colorado still went halfway. They're still miles away. So, like, that tells you how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup. And Colorado dominated the whole year in Vegas. Just like, yeah, fuck that. Reverse sweep. Get out of here. So, uh, I don't think they have to do anything. They got McKinnon. They got Rantanen. They got the big pieces. Nas is still there. He's still young. They got a solid team. They got the solid goaltender now. So, yeah, fucking abs, man. Yeah, I think they need to make a – like just take advantage of their roster being young, like you said, and being so um, committed to the system and everything clicking with them. Uh, Just the way they've all been playing and developing, I think they need to take advantage of it. They have some salary cap room. Go after Seth Jones. If you can get him, probably you probably could get him cheaper just because it like, gets known that he wants out of Columbus and he has a year left and he's going to test free agency. So I would go after Seth Jones and 
another guy, Phil Kessel, I would go after in uh, Arizona. He's cap hit thanks to the Leafs. There's only $6.8 million. That can easily fit into Colorado. So I wouldn't go after Taylor Hall just because he would probably demand more. Uh, but Kessel, Jones, if you can work out some trades that would help both teams, I think that would be something that puts them over the hump. I absolutely, I absolutely love the position they're in, uh, but the only problem is Makar, Landeskog, and Grubauer are all not signed. So um, I guess I'll start with you, Pinello. Uh, I know you're a huge Kale Makar stan. We, we basically all are. He's probably going to be a multi-time Norris winner. Um, if you're Colorado, are you going with the bridge deal right now because the cap is low, or are you just hitting the home run here and you're signing him an eight-year deal? Oh, man. Shit. If I'm them, you probably go eight-year deal, but Makar's probably going to request a bridge because he's just that good. So if I'm Kale Makar, I'm probably looking at, like, a three-year deal and then, like, seriously cash out after. But uh, to Alino's point before, like, Sam Gerrard last year, he could have made so much more money. He signed through seven years. He's only making, like, not even $4 million. If he really wanted to, he could have been a guy that could have been like, hey, I'm making, I'm scoring more points than half the fucking league. I deserve six and a half million dollars. So, yeah, maybe someone could walk there and they could uh, take advantage of their money. But, yeah, Colorado's just in a solid situation there. Yeah, I think he's going to take the bridge deal. And, like, Sam Gerrard, I think, would be the odd one out. Like, if you were to trade for Jones, I think it would be Sam Gerrard involved. And if you can't get Jones and if you want to go after Kessel to play on a wing with uh, McKinnon or Kadri, it would probably cost a lot less just because you can use their uh, ownership and money as a way to part ways with Phil. But I think Gerard, you might be able to keep in that sense, but maybe do away with a draft pick. So a uh, bridge deal for McCarr makes sense. I uh, just don't know. Like Landeskog is a big part of this team. He's been there so long. You might have to pay more for him, but I think it would be worth it. Like I don't think it's going to be something that makes them like the Leafs where everyone's making 11 mil. I think they can get him down to a reasonable number, and he sees the growth of guys around him like McKinnon and McCarr, and he knows that they're committed. So I think he would take a little bit less, but it's not going to be like a $5 million deal. I just I don't know like I see so much potential for for Makar in terms of this like his salary like it can be as little as two years like twelve million or it could be eight years at eight point five per so it really depends on what they really want to do because they know the cap is going to go up in about a year and a half two years I I actually like Pinello that you brought up the Gerard contract because. The guy had like what forty three points this year. He just looked like he was just his role was awesome. What was he second line power play for majority of the year at times? First, if McKinnon was hurt, um, I just love this team, man. I love exactly what even a guy like Nathan McKinnon has been able to do. Take that pay cut, really help out your team. I assume Landis Cog's going to do the same. I don't expect him to sign more than six mil. Uh, Grubauer probably going to get a bridge deal as well because. It, he did prove to be a great starter, but, you know, do that two years and then you maybe cash out. So I'll give maybe Grubauer a two, three-year deal, a bridge, maybe 3.54 mil per year. Um, goalies, it's a little bit trickier. 
because we've seen guys like Leonard be amazing and then not. Bennington be amazing, then not. Bishop be amazing, then not. So we've seen – and even guys like Jake Allen, they had those two great years in St. Louis and then just fell off the face of the earth. So um, with goalies, it's a lot trickier. But in terms of, of a guy like a Kale McCarr that can give you so much stability for 10-plus years, I think I'm doing the opposite. I think I'm cashing him out, man. I think I'm doing it right now. Because he's already like You're a Norris, that, he's already a Norris Trophy finalist. So I think I'm just doing that. I'm cashing him out now. I respect it. I think I like. What, what did Liney get? Two years, ten mil, something like that. Yeah, like out of all the out of all the free agents, I think he got one of the better deals. But that's because again, you look at the agent, you look at the morale that Liney's gonna have going to a fresh team. It's a lot harder, and that's another name that we got to watch this offseason because we all know he's probably not staying in Carol- in uh, Columbus. Uh, but I guess we'll finish this pod by – I'll ask a simple question. In two years, who is going to be in worse shape? The San Jose Sharks that we've discussed before or the Columbus Blue Jackets? I'll start with you, Pinello. Oof, uh, I'll say the San Jose Sharks will be in worse shape. Nice. It's a tough a one. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to go yeah. San Jose just because I think Columbus is going to re-sign Line A, uh, put him in a position where like the GM – he is good at what he does. Like he's not a train wreck and just a disaster, kind of like what other GMs have been. But I think he's uh, he's going to bring stability back there to the Blue Jackets. I think he he'll find a way to keep Line A and build a team around again. Because I think Columbus is even though aside from losing Torts and losing Panarin and Bobrovsky, I think they still were able to be competitive, and I think they'll continue that. Absolutely love it. <laughs> I'll go. I'll. I'll actually go with. Yeah, I'll go with San Jose too. Just based off of the age, uh, you see guys like Carlson, Burns continuously regress in their game. Vlasic as well. Like you just look at the back end, and it's just shot. And you think after getting Carlson and Burns, you're going to win a, a Stanley Cup. They go to the finals, uh, and that was even before Carlson, and they came up short against Sidney Crosby. Uh, this team, yeah, like you said, Pinello, you brought up Anaheim in LA. Like they get Byfield, they get Zegra, they get a lot of different guys, and all of a sudden, bam, they're almost a bubble team this year. Kopitar is still trucking it out. Uh, Quick is, of course, probably on his way of retiring in maybe two years. Dustin Brown continues to defy age. So, um, uh, yeah, I'll still I'll stick with San Jose. I think they're going to be probably one of the worst teams in two years as well, just based off of the age. Close it out, Alino. Well, yeah, that was fun. Uh, got some big games lined up now. Game sevens, uh, game sixes, crucial. And yeah, Leafs, at least they signed Jason Spezza. So that's good. Every other team is uh, looking now. They got to convince their UFAs to sign, and the Leafs got business done early. Spezza signed. Uh, now it's going to be interesting. Next week, we'll probably know more about Hyman's situation. Uh, But yeah, that's episode 135 and uh, catch us next week.